Welcome to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. Thanks for joining us today for our series on Grace, Trust, and Surrender. Now, here's Ray. Hi, I'm Ray Sturdivant. We're starting a new study today that I'm calling Grace, Trust, and Surrender. And I'm here with my good friends, Seth Muse and Danny Jacobs. Welcome, guys. Glad to be here. These uh, are three major concepts that are we experience on our journey with God, and we're going to go through each one, and we're going to use, just as a launching point, the uh, Jews of the Old Testament as they came out of Egypt, wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and then went into the Promised Land. And so each one of those segments is going to be, uh, it's going to represent one of these topics, grace being the exodus from Egypt, uh, trust being the wilderness years, surrender being going into the Promised Land, and we're going to launch from there and kind of do a deep dive into each one of these. And so the uh, first concept that we're going to get into is the concept of grace. And the common definition of grace is God's unmerited favor. And just wanted to, before we get any further with that, I wanted you guys to kind of jump in and just uh, give your take on a simple how you would describe to somebody what grace is. Well, you know what, man? I can tell you already that it's interesting that you bring up this topic within the Old Testament, because as Christians, we always think about as, you know, Christ's sacrifice as being the grace, as, you know, the New Testament being where the true grace is found, and then the Old Testament being an arduous journey to, of God showing us that we need Christ. Mm-hmm. So right off, I think that's interesting that you're that you're framing it that way. Cool. Yeah, when I was growing up, I listened to this this band, and they had a song that I thought defined it pretty well. It the and the lines went: "When you get what you don't deserve, it's a real good thing, and when you don't get what you do deserve, it's a real good thing." And it's kind of the definition I think of grace is that it's something that you don't really deserve, but you get it anyway. Yeah, that's great. Or that, you know, maybe you do deserve it and you don't get it. And it's hard to see that as grace, but that's grace too. Yeah. I, th- I think yeah. that's a great uh, a great way to put it. And I would add that not only do you not deserve it, but you can't get it. True. <laughs> it it right. has to be given right. to you. True. You it's can't even earn a, it. Not even an option. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. You know, a lot of times we, uh, you know, we want justice when somebody does us wrong, right? but we want grace whenever we do somebody else wrong. So Absolutely. that's an interesting spin you you put on it there. You know, I wanted to just kind of kick this off with the story of the Exodus, and then we'll jump back in and take it from there. And Danny, you made a uh, great observation that a lot of people view that there's not a lot of grace in the Old Testament. Well, when, and, you, when, you, when you put the the... The definition like you did, unmerited favor, I can see where you would, you know what I mean, where you can link those two up, but Christians don't think of that. That's, that's what I mean by that. Yeah, I know, and it, and it was partly my mindset until I realized one day that, you know, when Paul was talking about Scripture, he was talking about the Old Testament. Right. He's leading people to Christ through the Old Testament, right. and it made me do a deep dive in the Old Testament. and uh, That's all they had, right. Yeah, and it is full of grace, and it's also full of pictures of Christ, symbolically, literally, and then prophetically. So grace is there if we, you know, take our law legalistic glasses off 
and really start to see it. Yes, the Catholics would say, uh, Mother Mary is full of grace. (laughs) I don't know if you heard that prayer. Uh, I've heard it from you. (laughs) So I just want to start out with uh, the story of, I'm going to kind of use the Exodus story, and it's Exodus 12, 12. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled or with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandal on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. For I shall pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this is the Passover story, Mm -hmm. And this is a great picture of Christ. If you remember John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Unblemished. Yeah. Every Jew that had ever taken a Passover knew exactly what he was talking about. Covers you from God's wrath. Right. It's really interesting that it's the blood that goes over the door of the house. And in the same way, you know, the blood of the Lamb, like blood of Christ, goes over the door of our heart. Absolutely. And that's that's such a powerful image of what uh, was coming. In the Messiah. Yeah. You know, that some, you know, with the bitter herbs and all the other things that go along with that are just, it's hard to miss unless you want to miss it. Yep. That's all the time we have for this segment. We will pick this back up in a minute. You've been listening to Minding the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. If you have questions or comments for us, you can email us at ray at mindingthetruth.com. Also, we'd like to ask that you take a minute and prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. And if God has prompted you to do so, just go to mindingthetruth.com and click donate. (laughs) This is going to take a while. Thanks again for listening. Now back to Ray. Well, welcome back. And we are discussing the Exodus. And we were just talking about the grace that we see in the Passover. You know, another uh, symbolism that I see is that the lamb was roasted by fire. You know, and fire throughout the Bible is a symbol for God's judgment. And Jesus was judged on our behalf. He was ju- our sin was put on him, and he was judged by God. Well, and, and furthermore, he was present during this time, too. 
Yes. Yeah. It's yep. a it's a purifying agent. Sure. Yeah. It's a yeah. test. It's a purifying. It's it's uh, it represents purity in it in it as well as you know harsh judgment like punishment. But it's it's purifying. I mean yep. that's it's a pure burns sacrifice. away the chaff. Yeah, yeah. It burns away all the stuff that doesn't last. You know, and if you think about this being a great picture of grace and faith, all the Jews had to do was kill the lamb and blood on the doorpost, which is symbolic of an act of faith. They yeah. didn't do anything to earn or deserve the death angel passing over their house. It was merely just a response to a grace offer. So in... It also shows them not suffering the same fate as the Egyptians. So we are saved by grace when we put our trust in Christ, the Lamb of God, and we don't suffer the fate of the rest of the world. So is there any evidence that any of them didn't take the warning? Like you know, like we found out that Brother Hezekiah didn't get a lamb. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't have any biblical evidence of that. Seth, yeah. do you remember anything? Well, there's nothing in the text, but we do know that it took some convincing for Moses to get the people to agree that God had sent him. Yeah. So right. there probably was some dissidence, and some people probably didn't do people it. People said, eh, I'm like, not going to do all that. Uh, he's it. a sheep herder. Forget yeah. that guy. <laughs> he didn't know anything. He's all backwoods. <laughs> so, you know, there probably were people like that. There were definitely Egyptians that did not have blood over the door. Right. Definitely. Definitely. And and, the, and to be honest, the sojourners were probably well, already Egyptians, starting. Well, but not Jews necessarily. Yeah, right. the Egyptians probably did have some people that had converted and might have done it with them. Right. Yeah, those, yeah, you know? yeah. I, I, I do believe there's, there's probably some evidence for, you know, Egyptians who had converted, you know, that came out. Right. So anyway, it's, it's just a, uh, a great launching point for our discussion on grace. Sure. And... You know, Seth, I wanted to get your point of view. Seth is a youth pastor at the church I attend. And what's that? Nothing. <laughs> and so uh, I just wanted to get your perspective. You engage with a lot of youth, and uh, you had mentioned to me before about confusion just over the concept of grace. I just wanted you to kind of elaborate on that. Right. Well, with students, you know, they're, they tend to be concrete thinkers anyway. I mean, we, you know, the frontal lobe develops later in life and it really helps you with your reasoning. And, you know, you're, you're not able to really uh, develop um, the abstract thought processes until a little bit later in life. And that's what we spend the first 18 years of our life trying to figure out how to do. And so when you look at the Bible and you look at these stories, you know, they're going to gravitate towards the legalism, the, the rules, the do this, don't do that type of stuff that you find in there, which is really clear and easy to see, especially in the Old Testament. There's a lot of that. There's mm -hmm. over 660-something commandments in the Old Testament alone, and uh, to keep all of them is just ridiculous, but people try, and mm -hmm. you know that's what they thought the faith was really about. And, and when you start to understand the concept of grace is that, you no, know, Christ fulfilled that law, so I don't have to because, honestly, I cannot. Mm -hmm. um, also to keep you from going, hey, look at me. Right, right. Yeah. And, it's, and it brings glory to God and not to yourself and, uh, and all your accomplishments. And um, it's just a hard concept for that reason alone. And the second, our society is uh, thrives on accomplishment. Uh, we yep. love to yep. put people up on a pedestal that can do great things or, or do things better than other people. And what better thing to be good at than being good? And when you can follow the rules better than anybody else, of course, yeah, we want to be like that guy. We, we want to be like that lady. You know, they 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 seem to have it all together when truly they don't. They're just right. it's kind of a mask. Yeah. 
And uh, it's really what you can get people to believe about you more than it is what you're actually doing. And so this becomes kind of a trap that students tend to fall into easier than even adults, but adults have had more years practiced at it. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a, a catch-22 is that that's in there, and you want to follow Christ, but at the same time, following Christ and operating following Christ in grace tends to be kind of a hard line to, to juggle and to go back and forth over when you're younger. You know, and I even think that it's hard for all of us. I think we are all yeah. born legalists. You know, whether we realize it or not, we are all born in this world trying to earn our way to God. And it's just a natural part of living in a fallen world. We think that's the way to secure a relationship. We're all in a performance-based relationship with each other. You know, as long as uh, you treat me right, I'll stay engaged. As long as, you know, I treat you right, we'll be buddies. And as soon as I violate some kind of thing that you don't like, we're, we're done with each other. I've got something against you now. Yeah, and we view God that way. And we don't view his fact that he is just and he's love, and Christ satisfies the justice part of him. Right. So we are not appealing to his justice anymore. We are appealing to his grace. I love how he Christ. forces it to be that way by making it about grace. He, he snatches it from your from your ability to lord it over other people. Yeah, you know, we're all, it's a great point, we're all equal at the cross. That's we're, right. The law makes us all equal. That's right. You know, James tells us if we violate one law, we're guilty of the whole law. Right. So none of us can claim uh, a superior righteousness before God based on our behavior. Well, they could, but it just <laughs> it wouldn't doesn't be true. Work. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, you know, this whole concept, uh, we're going to continue next time because uh, we have run out of time for this segment. And we're going to pick this back up and really get into more about separating law and grace in our next segment. I'm Ray Sturdivant, Mining the Truth. Thanks for listening to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. If you have questions or comments for us, you can email us at ray at miningthetruth.com. Thanks again for listening and join us next time for more of Grace, Trust and Surrender.